Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a weekly show about the Swift programming language and other Swift.org projects. My name's JP. And I'm Jesse Squires. Uh, and today we're going to talk about a recent proposal uh, from Chris Latner, actually, um, the dynamic member lookup proposal. Uh, also accompanied with this is the uh, dynamically callable uh, proposal as well. Uh, these two together, their goal is to provide some more dynamic features in Swift to interop with uh, other languages. Um, basically, uh, the overall goal is improving the interop story uh, outside of C and Objective-C. Yeah, and it's worth noting uh, the time that we're recording this that um, this dynamic member lookup proposal was... Uh, added as a pull request to the Swift evolution, but then subsequently closed just a few days ago by uh, Chris, who said that uh, he plans to significantly revise this, so it's not worth considering the PR. But uh, we still think it's worth discussing the ideas that are presented here. But just keep in mind that uh, whatever the next iteration of this will be, it might change significantly. Yeah, and uh, probably, you know, mostly implementation details, uh, I think, the core ideas and goals here are still going to be the same. Yeah, but I mean, the entire interface might be revamped. So yeah. um, we really just want to focus on on the ideas that are presented here. Yeah, yeah. Briefly, uh, you know, the the proposal here is to use subscripts, and it seems a bit odd to me the way that he proposed that it works, but this may change uh, in the future. Uh, but apparently doing it this way is a pretty non-invasive way. Um, so I wonder if that part of the approach will change. Yeah, well, it's non-invasive because it's semantic sugar on top of dictionary subscripting. Or, yeah. Sorry, subscripting right. uh, generally. So this is the ability to translate um, dot syntax automatically to a stringly type subscript syntax so that you can do member lookup at runtime rather than compile time. Right. Yeah, so this has uh, pretty big implications for uh, interop, uh, as we mentioned. Uh, the, the main example that Chris gives here is uh, interop with Python, but he also mentions Ruby and other languages that could benefit from this. Um, there's currently... Uh, what he describes is a heroic effort uh, to interop with uh, Objective-C and C. There's a lot of, uh, quote, compiler magic that has to happen there. And it's just, it's not feasible to do that for every language yeah. well, that you want to work complex, with. it's super complex, right? <laughs> yeah. All of the Clang importer stuff, uh, the huge efforts for Swift 3 to have, like, omit needless words and all of that right. to make... Um, yeah, there was a huge investment to make interop with Objective C a lot more seamless and swifty. Right, but I definitely agree with that premise that uh, to do that for every single language out there is not sustainable. Right, uh, and there might be some other ways that we can get a lot of the same benefits without massive heroic effort. Like the original implementation here, I think is about five hundred lines in in the 
in the pull request, um, implement right. the dynamic lookup protocol proposal, mm-hmm. 580, 18 lines added, right? And this is a first draft, so who knows, like with a lot of tests and with s- support for, I don't know, edge cases, um, which this claims to already, you know, there are no known implementation problems, as Chris says, with this mm-hmm. imp- first implementation. But, you know, just the general idea that 500 lines can get you there is seems non-invasive to me. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy uh, how small uh, of a change this seems to be, uh, uh, given kind of the power that it adds to mm-hmm. Swift. And um, so the the primary motivation seems to be interop with Python and other similar dynamic languages, but there are a lot of uh, advantages even in a pure Swift context too. Um, and one example that comes to mind is implementing uh, something like a, uh, a a database layer where you could look up uh, members not necessarily based off of uh, what's represented in memory, but what's represented on disk in a database format, right? So if you look up um, pers- dog.name, uh, well, then that would translate it to a subscript lookup, uh, which would then look up the whatever the name equivalent of that database column is. Right. Um, so you can you can do quite a bit there uh, that's analogous to dynamic programming language interop with databases, um, all sorts of other dynamic features like that that you could do. Right. Uh, yeah. So potentially some uses for uh, like core data here. Yeah. Uh, to to make core data or well to have like a, a Swift implementation of that. Uh, or even just kind of building your own um, more type-safe yeah. wrappers around SQLite. Right. 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 Or Realm could be re-implemented in pure Swift uh, using this as one of the components. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of uh, capabilities that this expands into. Yeah. So there will be, um, you know, so this is more of providing the foundation and like basics in the standard library so that basically the community and others could build up these these libraries for interop so if this is added to swift it still like the examples that are shown in this proposal it's still kind of clunky like let's say you're you're interopping with python um it's still not the prettiest thing. So like most people would probably have some kind of wrappers around this. And I think adding these foundations to the standard library would basically, they'd allow uh, the community to develop a nicer like interop layer. Um, And perhaps some particular library would get popular and that would be like kind of the, uh, the method or like the way to do something going forward, you know, for Python or Ruby or anything else. Totally. And it, it, we should probably mention as well that Chris has provided kind of a current Swift 4 compatible uh, Python interop playground uh, yeah. that he's shared. Yeah, he sent that out on the, uh, the mailing list. Which is very cool to think that, you know, you can do this today with Swift. You just lose out on a lot of the Swiftiness of it. Uh, because everything has to be dynamic. Right. Um, and so this helps bridge that world a little bit. And you can think of it as, uh, well, one, on one side, it's this very generic uh, concept of looking up any members dynamically. 
but uh, tangibly, you can think of it as like the next step to improving that Python interop playground that he shared. You know, if you were to look at just that Python interop playground and say, what are the big missing pieces? This is one of them. Right. Uh, and then the other one would be dynamic callable, which is somewhat of somewhat orthogonal, but uh, very related to dynamic member lookup, which would let you uh, invoke functions from members that are returned from dynamic member lookup. Yeah, it really is surprising like how far you can get uh, today with this interop story uh, with Python like he shows. That was actually pretty surprising to me, to be honest. I, I didn't think you could get that far. Well, you can get very far with with stringly typed APIs. Sure, uh, sure. You can you can reimplement so much. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it's worth bringing up whether or not uh, omitting the um, quotation marks mm-hmm. really makes a difference in the type safety, because um, you're, in my opinion, you're not really gaining a whole lot there other than just semantic sugar mm-hmm. because this still gets translated to a stringly typed um, approach, right? And any member that you type, say that, you know, we're talking about dog.name, well, say you make a mistake there and you say dog.names, right. it'll still compile. Uh, it's because it's just like you pass a different string to that uh, subscript operator, right? I see. And so you're not really gaining a whole lot there other than visually um, some semantic sugar, mm-hmm. uh, which might go a long way, uh, but it doesn't really enable things that weren't possible before. It just makes it look nicer. Right, and pot- potentially makes it more easily misinterpreted. Perhaps. As, oh, this is type safe code here. Right. You're just calling this member when... There's more magic. And I'm, I'm not totally sure how I feel about this particular argument, but I want to share it anyway, where it, it might dilute the power and uh, the trust that people place in Swift code. Mm. If, you know, you can type a member and 99% of the time you can be sure that it's it's safe to do so. Mm-hmm. Except in these one these few cases where you conform to dynamic member lookup. Right. In which case, uh, well, anything goes and those guarantees no longer apply, right? In, in cases where Swift has kind of a safe way and an unsafe way to do things, there are explicit, um, uh, explicit ways that it conveys that, like the unsafe mm-hmm. word that's prefixed uh, or the exclamation mark of right. like, you know, dragons, uh, hear yeah. me dragons. Right. So to kind of sneak this in as something that um, is very powerful but is unsafe but doesn't convey that it's unsafe right. is a little scary. Now, um, there is one aspect of saving grace here, which is that – the it, this should still compile, and you'll still need to unwrap whatever value comes out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least you know there's there is that layer where you'd have to use a question mark for for it to to handle the the case where there was nothing returned or nil was returned, yeah. and you'd have to use an exclamation mark to explicitly be unsafe. Um, but it still kind of muddies the waters of like whatever you type as a member lookup may or may not exist. Right. 
maybe we should call this unsafe dynamic member lookup protocol. <laughs> um, yeah, and like I like I mentioned before bringing this up, I'm not sure exactly where I fall on this. I just think it's worth bringing up. I think it's still fine. Um, it's still safe in that you need to do unsafe things for any of this to crash. Yeah. But it, it kind of, maybe the word is more like misleading or mm-hmm. even even if just subtly misleading, where you think that there's a member by that name, but you get no indication if it's there or not. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, unless you do some very invasive hardcore interop like what we have with Objective-C, um, you won't be able to get that level of safety. Right. At, at which point you have to ask yourself, is it worth doing this at all? Yeah. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But r- right now, um, you know, with Chris's current implementation of the Python interop layer, mm-hmm. um, it already goes a long way. Yeah. And there's, you know, more language level or sorry, user side changes that that you can make. Like you can make a Python library that uh, basically proxies a lot of these things in a type safe way Mm -hmm. that doesn't require any language changes at all. Mm -hmm. And maybe that, well, that's the current answer, right? Without any future language changes, but maybe that's good enough. Yeah, I guess the the argument is that it's still quite a bit of... Boiler, boilerplate and effort, mm-hmm. and uh, this will reduce that not only for this use case, but for other potential ones as well. Right. And if you look at it concretely, I guess the, the advantage for doing this is that semantic sugar goes a long way. And mm-hmm. if we want people to actually reach for Python libraries when they're building Swift code, um, then it has to be, it, it really has to be easier than what it is today because people haven't been doing it today. Right, right. The, you know, so interopting with C, I think there's a very clear, it's C is such a foundational and widely used language. And there's so many, you know, all, a lot of programming languages have wrappers around the C libraries. And it seems like interop with C is just kind of like, a foundational basic thing that most languages just have to have um, just because of the state of things. But I wonder how high in demand it is to interop with C outside of, um, or to, to interop with other languages, um, uh, not only in the Swift world, but in other, like do Rust programmers like really want to interop with anything outside of C. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is that a huge ask? Do I don't even know if Rust has like interop with Ruby or Python or something. Probably not. Well, but. it exposes um, a way to uh, use the C uh, ABI for some methods, just like Swift does. I see. Right? Um, where Swift has the, uh, the at convention mm-hmm. keyword, mm-hmm. Rust has something similar so that you can uh, re-expose things using the CABI, and then you can call into it using libffi or I see. Uh, from Ruby or something like that. Yeah. Um, one other uh, aspect of this that I want to talk about is the types that are returned from dynamic lookup. Mm-hmm. Um, where right now, 
uh, all dynamic member lookup protocol implementers would would return the same uh, type for for the subscript result, um, which means that you kind of have this generic um, indirect any equivalent, right? And in in this case, there's a like a PyVal member that's returned, but then mm-hmm. you you still need to unwrap that somehow to figure out what type is included in there. Right. Um, and I'm not sure if this idea has any legs here, but if there was a way to um, kind of require a compile time return uh, so that the compiler could actually look up either whether or not a member name exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe this defeats the purpose because the whole point of this is for this to work at runtime with types and members that we don't know if they'll exist at, at compile time yet. Right. Um, but if you had the ability, if the compiler had the ability to ask uh, the implementer, what are your member names? Then we could actually have like autocomplete or we could have the ability to know at compile time whether or not dog.name or dog.names is is a valid uh, member name. Right. Or we could also do things like return, uh, identify what the type of the returned value for that member name is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this, maybe that's an entirely different proposal because that's more useful for extending Swift uh, at compile time, not so much at runtime. Right. So maybe it wouldn't be so helpful. Like it would only be helpful in Python for a small subset of member names that you can confirm at at compile time whether or not they exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that would probably, I mean, that obviously uh, imposes a lot of additional boilerplate on clients that would, if that were part of this proposal. Yeah, and it might not be... Um, uh, an op- it might not be viable at all uh, in terms of compiler performance yeah. if a lot of these checks have to happen outside of the compiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to me like the uh, the direction would be to provide these basics and then third-party clients would provide a nicer like Swift interface. They would wrap this stuff up just like you'd wrap a C library today to provide like a, a nicer like Swift API. Which is but, uh, exactly how you do it today, right? Yeah. It's just that internally that library would be implemented either with strings or with member lookups. Right, right. And that's what this boils down to. Yeah. But then everyone who wants to do this is going to have to keep re-implementing the same stuff over and over, right? So this this proposal would at least reduce some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this is... Almost more of a like sociological issue, yeah, right, yeah. Where what would it take? You know, if you take a step back and you ask yourself, what would it take to get Swift programmers to embrace the Python libraries that are out there? Yeah, yeah. And this is a potential solution, or maybe it's part of a solution, but it's not. This isn't enough. Yeah. To to be like all the Swift programmers out there reach for Python libraries when they're working on something, right? Right. You know, so. That's more of like a cultural uh, challenge. Yeah. And then when you think of the potential solutions there, well, there's there's a bunch that I can think of, right? One could be um, entirely in user land, you know, without making any changes to Swift. If you have a company that's championing interop with Python and Swift 
i.e. the Google Brain team, whatever. Right. And they produce um, like a bunch of examples, a bunch mm. of uh, like maybe widely used libraries. Like say there's um, an AI library that's written in Python and re-exposed via Swift bindings mm-hmm. um, that gains popularity. Well, maybe that is... Uh, a more impactful way to get Swift programmers to reach for Python rather than converting stringly typed APIs to um, yeah to to this dynamic member lookup. Mm-hmm. From a more practical um, kind of standpoint here about the status of this, uh, Chris notes that there are no source compatibility issues here. It's a purely additive change, no effect on ABI stability. Um, and so hopefully if this gets approved and if everyone is okay with the implementation, um, this m- might make it into Swift 5, who knows? But uh, looks like the impact is pretty minimal regarding all of the, the goals of Swift 5. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all we have to say about uh, the dynamic member lookup uh, proposal for now. Um once again, keep in mind that uh, this is going to change probably even by the time you listen to this. <laughs> um, but we still wanted to discuss the ideas that were brought forth here. So thanks for listening. Uh, I'm JP. You can find me on Twitter at SimJP. And you can find the show at Swift underscore Unwrapped. You can find me uh, at Jesse underscore Squires. Uh, if you have time, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, and if you want to chat, you can join us at uh, Spectrum.chat. See you next time. Thank you.